Welcome to The Coaching Cast, your working from home managers club. Here to check in with you weekly to share your working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and that there's many of us outside of your current four walls, all trying to be the best coach, leader, manager and human being that we can be. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader, and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo, which suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future You Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a toddler who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment. Presenting different topics each each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we are super privileged to welcome Rob Stevenson, mental health campaigner, CEO and founder of Formscore, a movement and technology solution that helps us be more intentional about our well-being by answering the simple question, how are you today? With a score out of 10 and founder of the Inside Out Leaderboard, a social enterprise with a mission of ending the stigma of mental health, ill health in the workplace. So stay with us and enjoy. So before we get into the episode with Rob Sues, uh, what's been going on? Hello. Um, what's been going on? Um, a few things have been going on. I'm trying to think now what I've actually been doing. Does anybody else think that now like life's getting a bit more back to normal? You kind of forget what you've actually yes. done because you're getting a that bit more so out and about. Like, yes, that is so true. Okay. I was reflecting on this earlier and I literally had the same challenge. I was thinking, what have I actually done in the last week that's even noteworthy of sharing with other people for a start? But actually, I couldn't think about what I had been doing. And you're totally right. I think in the lockdowns, although you would think the obvious would be, well, I'm not doing anything, that actually wasn't true for me. I managed to fill my days quite happily. And I was actually a lot more aware about what I'd been doing because Mm. of it. It was as though I'd planned and organised my days and had real intention. And then I could reflect on that and remember it, as well as refer back to my rather nerdy weekly planner whereas at the moment (laughs) I feel like life is moving a hundred bajillion miles an hour and we're already approaching July which is terrifying crazy uh, and half the year's gone and the last couple of weeks I've literally been well what on earth have you what have you done with your time which clearly demonstrates I need to be a bit more reflective so I can acknowledge my successes because I don't think I'm really doing that at the moment someone asked me how my weekend was and I was like uh I can't even remember what I did. I was like, I can't. <laughs> Is that because you were smashed? What was I doing? Yeah, I was just drunk too much wine. Yeah, you were just partying all uh, weekend. You can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I absolutely wish that that has been what the situation was. <laughs> Believe me. Um, but uh, I did actually go out. No, I say that. I did actually go out. I had a day off yesterday. Wow. Um, I took a, a Monday off, had a long weekend. Um, and I went in to the big smoke so I went into Manchester um and not been in the not been into Manchester for obviously a while because there's a pandemic mm. I got on an actual train Ooh. I love um, getting on the train 
and went into the big bright lights. Yeah, it was cool. Um, so did a bit of shopping, had some lunch with a friend, uh, drank a few cocktails. Sounds um, delightful. It was lovely, actually. It was really nice. I've kind of obviously not done of anything of that for a while. Um, so it was nice to get a bit more out and about and, and catch up with my friend. Manchester was quite quiet, actually. I know it was a Monday, um, but there's de- you could definitely see there weren't as many people working mm. in the city because yeah. the station wasn't as uh, as busy um, and just the general kind of milling around. There weren't as many people walking around and just kind yeah. of generally being in the city. And when I got the train to come back kind of early evening, um, a lot of the shops were shut in the station. And I was like, oh, I was expecting to get my obligatory um burger from Burger King um <laughs> the fast food chains are available just not in Manchester Piccadilly station um and it was shut what I thought Burger King's always stayed open exactly so that's what's got actually a bit gutted about that did oh. you have your M&S uh traveler though uh Wait, no pre-mixed G&T can no, it was shut. All the shops what? were shut. Oh, it was all shut. It was oh. all shut, apart from Travesty. Sainsbury's. So I went into Sainsbury's and there was absolutely bugger all on the oh, show. Not even a tinny. I always like those, yeah. pre, those pre-mixed cocktail travellers. Those things from Marks and Spencers are like rocket fuel. <laughs> rocket fuel. I think it's dangerous that they sell those. They are double measures for a start, 50 mil. And I think wow. there's barely a mixer in there. I've had many uh, a day unravel because of an M&S cheeky premix cocktail travel. Well, please consume sensibly, people. Yes, if you do drink get one. safely and watch out because there is some power lethal. in those little cans. Power. <laughs> Absolute power. <laughs> Goodness me. Well, my, I didn't have a day off yesterday. I worked, but I'm very pleased for you that you, you, you went into Manchester. It sounds so much fun. I need to take some time off. And actually, I do need to take some time off because uh, I've – have been struggling a little bit with juggling multiple things. And actually, I think part of the reason why I can't remember what I've done is because I'm doing too much. And as I said, not creating the space to reflect. So actually, I did take my own advice last week. And on my day off, I had a session with my uh, personal business coach, who is called Kiki. So shout out to Kiki. Hi, Kiki. um, Who is a wonderful woman. And I had a fantastic coaching session with her. And it really helped me actually to have that space to acknowledge all the things I have achieved over the last couple of weeks and be really uh, clear and much more purposeful around what I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks to continue this momentum. Uh, And it was so lovely to have some space to think for myself and be a little bit selfish and I felt great afterwards because actually I was thinking, do you know what? I have achieved quite a few different things. Yeah, this is really amazing. positive. Uh, we talked a bit about the podcast as well. The other major achievement from Wednesday, which I can't believe I've forgotten, and this goes to show how important it is to reflect. I had my first COVID jab. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both me and my husband did. Uh, it was an incredible experience, actually. I highly uh, was Good, very... So slick. So slick. So slick. I think my husband's words were, see look at what we're capable of when we put our minds to it I was thinking oh yeah very profound but it was a very <laughs> slick operation and I was very impressed so big shout out to Oxford City and the uh, operation at the Kassam Stadium it was unbelievable so yeah so I feel like I've made progress that felt like a real moment I was like yes um so yeah I've just got to be still sensible because I think there's definitely some smugness there around like I've had my first jab don't need to worry about me uh but yeah still need to be sensible everyone cool yes, so we do so should we get chatting with rob let's do it 
I am so excited to welcome Rob Stevenson to the coaching cast today to talk about the critically important subject of well-being and mental health in today's workplace and the incredible work that Rob is leading in challenging the stigma regarding mental ill health. I found Rob via my LinkedIn network and was inspired by his personal story of mental ill health, experiencing bipolar disorder and the way in which he was channeling his experiences into leading much needed change in the understanding, management and rhetoric around mental health and well-being. Leading this change with the launch of Formscore, a mobile phone app which asks individuals to rate how they're feeling daily out of a score of 10 and utilising this to engage others around them to secure better support as well as the Inside Out Leaderboard and his podcast, The Form Guide, which invites a variety of leaders across multiple organisations to join him to discuss mental health. Rob explains in his own words, we all have mental health all of the time. It is one of the most beautiful and complex things about being human. If we believe this, then we accept that we can influence it. This is very powerful knowledge. Rob's passion, energy and desire to help others is infectious and inspiring and we're privileged to be joined by him today. Rob, welcome to the coaching cast. Lisa, thank you. And I think that's probably one of the best introductions I've ever had. I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> you absolutely can. You already do. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. And I'm so great to see that you're on form today. The eight out of 10 is such a, for anyone who is watching our episode today, this is exactly the power of form score, the app, uh, which I highly encourage you to take a look at. Um, so let's, let's get into it. So talk to us a bit more about your personal experience of mental ill health and how this has informed your your work life and career sure thank you and, and thank you very much for having me it's it's great to be able to answer some of these questions and uh, have a chat so I experienced bipolar disorder um, and I was diagnosed when I was 30 I'm 49 now um, but I see the signs of this challenge this illness going back through my 20s even to my late teens and I often tell the story of you know being locked in my university room um, at a time when uh, I couldn't face dealing with people, and I thought I was just antisocial, and that I've later learned was depression. I also used to take my clothes off in public, and don't worry, I'm not going to do it now. Um, <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> we're amongst friends, right? Um, and, and you know, get thrown out of nightclubs because I was naked, and and that was in, in an episode of hypermania. And I just thought that was me. And and in respect, in some respects, it was. I was different. I was extreme, and everything else. And I was a high achiever academically, and 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 from a sporting perspective, but I was really erratic, and. When I started to get closer to my 30th birthday, I started spending much more time out of the workplace, not being able to go in and do my job. And a, an amazing boss of mine inspired me to kind of seek some help and, and see a therapist and go to the doctor, which I did. And I was initially diagnosed with depression. Um, and I thought, you know, brilliant. I can be fixed by the medical profession. I can be given some therapy and a pill and I'll be well. And I thought it explains all of my, my history. And you know what? For a while I was, uh, I was better, but then the depression came back and it came back with a loss of hope and a sense of futility. And that's where my story gets a bit darker because when I was 31, I tried to end my life when I just felt I would always feel this horrible darkness and like life was just not worth living. And I'd lost hope. And my message to anyone at that point is that there is always hope. Mm -hmm. 
Now, with the love of close friends and family, I learned to manage my condition. I learned that, yes, therapy and medication are important. Uh, I learned that I was actually bipolar too, so I get the hypermania as well as the depression. But I also learned that exercise is really important, that being mindful is important, that prioritization of sleep, that making sure I'm connected to people that are meaningful to me. And so I worked out how to proactively manage my well-being as well as deal with my mental illness. And that's an important distinction. But I did all of this under the radar because of the stigma of mental illness, because of the fear of how I'd be perceived. And I trucked on like this for 15 years until 2017, when I saw in the UK more and more people talking about mental illness. And I thought, you know, why am I hiding this? Why do I put physiotherapy in my diary every time I go and see a therapist when I've got a team that I love and have recruited and respect? My team must have thought I had the worst physiotherapist in the history of physiotherapy, by the way. <laughs> Can't fix this back injury. But you know, I, felt, I felt dishonest. I felt, and I, and I felt yeah. it was time to come out. So I did in a, in a pretty awkward Facebook post. But the reaction to that post changed my life and direction because I started to realize how many people experience a mental health challenge, but do so in silence because of stigma, because I'd created a safe space. And that safe space allowed people from my immediate network to share their stories back to me. And it was family members, it was friends, it was business contacts. The people I was fearful of sharing my story with were telling me that they had a mental illness or their wife did or their business partner did. And that really motivated me to change direction and become a campaigner. And then I've been on this wonderful journey for the last four years of, of you know, discovering what that means and trying to make positive change in the world. Wow. And I, I think that that piece around the stigma is the, the piece that I've been so in awe of you. And I would describe it as smashing through because the way in which you are speaking about it and such um, from such a personal space as well you you get this completely uh, in a way that only I personally think someone who's experiencing it can and really having that um, capability to 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 lead that conversation uh, for for many who can't or or don't feel strong enough and whether that's because of their current um health or is you know is debilitating them or whether because simply that stigma is just too um suffocating because it it's it, it it's so sad but it's so so true that it is because people are so afraid um and it's that thing of not being being frightened of things you can't see uh mm. i think at times and not being able to tangibly and i suppose in some ways like practically make sense of it because as yeah. you describe in in the quote that i used at the beginning we are complex and that is what is so wonderful but at times that is also what is so scary um, because yeah. we still don't really understand ourselves in many ways um well so, we certainly don't understand our brain do we and no it's definitely like, not um, you yeah know, and it's it's sort of uncharted territory that we're getting better at understanding but yeah, yeah. The, the the tragedy of this and it is a tragedy in many cases is that actually talking and being open about mental ill health is the start of the journey to recovery mm. um and and the stigma prevents many people from getting on that journey and it prevented me from getting on that journey um, for probably 12 years mm. you know, that I can recognise I, I perhaps needed some help. And, and that's changing. But the, the reason we must smash the stigma is to save lives. Um, mm. It is to so people can get help earlier. Um, so people aren't treated and discriminated against because of a mental illness. But the interesting bit um, is that since I've been open 
um, and, and shared my story and been open about my challenges, the challenges are less frequent and they're less severe um, mm. because I'm not carrying the burden of being something I'm not at a time when I'm struggling, trying mm. to be happy when I'm feeling low. Yeah. Um, and, and many, many people that I speak to on the Inside Out Leaderboard and other stuff that I do would echo that. You know, So being open actually enables that challenge to be dealt with and managed uh, a lot better, a lot more effectively. Yeah. Well, because I suppose, and I, I mean, I talk about this, um, and that's why I love what you, how you describe the fact that actually we all have mental health, because we do. And yeah. I know that one of the most powerful techniques for myself to manage my own mental state and health is being open. And it always has been. It's been a technique that I've cultivated from as long as I can remember as a child that actually, if I could just express and get out of myself what was going on, I felt immediately better. I felt lighter and I was able to be a lot more um, reasonable about my thought processes because I could I could sift through them as soon as that they were out of me and yeah. from my experience of of having um very close loved ones um with uh, mental ill health um that's one of the challenges they have the most that actually they get stuck in their own internal uh, dialogue and find it extremely difficult to come out of it and actually every time I talk to my sister who is sadly um uh, suffering and suffering terribly right at this moment actually um she always says to me after she's spoken to me I feel better now I feel just a yeah. bit better um now obviously it's not it's not the full solution to her particular problems but the fact that she can just continue a bit longer in the day in a better space because we've had that conversation um, has made all the difference and it's an important part of a solution, you know, and, and I see you guys are going to play bullshit bingo later, which I love the sound of, but what, th this is an expression that's definitely not bullshit, that a problem shared is a problem halved. And on this agenda, the collective sharing of that problem with people we trust and can give us human support, not fix mm. us because they're not qualified to do so, that enables us to, you know, to share that burden. Mm. And it is a burden. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about form score, but for me, this is the essence of what we're trying to do with form score is provide a mechanism for those to, that we trust to connect with each other and then offer human support. Because actually that can often be what we need just to inspire us to get on a journey of positive well-being, to seek help when we need to, um, because we've got those people in our network that are sharing that burden with us. Yeah. So it's a great segue to form score. So talk to us about form score in terms of like what what exactly is it and and how does it support this much needed sort of first step on the journey of of managing mental ill health yeah i'll i'll, I'll do that but i'll first of all tell you um how it evolved because yeah, it's it's, it's 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 um it's a beautiful story of of nothing planned that i've used personally for years that has evolved into this solution that i think can help millions so Along the, my journey, a therapist gave me an idea of managing my, my mood by giving myself a score out of 10. So to ask myself each day, what's your score out of 10? Out of 10. So you can see today I'm an 8 out of 10. Um, and, and over the years, it's been really helpful for me to know, okay, if I'm an 8 today and then I'm a 7, 6, 5, why is that? What has changed? And, and sometimes, not always, I can then change my lifestyle, make a different decision, 
to prevent myself being a four because if I'm a four I'm probably in bed or not doing my job with with depression um and and for me this has been super powerful and and it forces me to reflect on what is driving my well-being what is driving my mental state each day have I slept well have I exercised am I connected to friends and family um how um what's my sense of purpose like am i balancing stress with moments of recovery am i helping others um what's my financial well-being like you know these are positive drivers of our well-being um and so it's been really effective for me and then as a campaigner two years ago i thought you know why don't i just publish this i'm, I'm logging this score in my head every day why don't i publish it and i had no other motivation than challenging the way people think and contributing to that mission of smashing stigma so first of all, I started putting it in my email signature. And then people would say things like, I love getting an email from you because I'm curious to know what your score is that day. I'm like, really? I didn't expect that. Others would support me if there was a low score. But then others would say, I love it if you're an eight or a nine, because that gives me a boost in my own score. And I started to understand that there was this um, ability to connect over something very simple, which is a number to express how we're feeling, a number out of 10. And that's at an individual level what Form Score is all about. It's giving the gift of self-reflection uh, to ourselves each day to think, how am I today using a score out of 10 to track it and then tagging in the app of what's driving it, sleep, exercise connections, as I mentioned. Um, but importantly, it's not, it's not just a mood tracker and it was never intended to be we then connect with others on the app friends family trusted colleagues and we might have eight or ten people in our circle of support and they see our scores you they you see their scores so if any one of us are low then you would get a, a notification saying hey check in with your friend rob he's dropped from an eight to a five so it, it then provides the opportunity and the knowledge to offer peer human support Again, not clinical. We're not trying to fix. We can signpost and we give guidance on how to do that. And then at the organizational level, what we do with the consent of employees using the Form Score app, we aggregate those numbers up anonymously. And so all of a sudden, we've got a real time metric of organization or team well being that, that the, you know, the team lead or the well being director can see in real time. And this is important when we're looking at remote working models and hybrid working models. We need better real-time data on how our people are doing right now with their well-being. And this is the exciting bit that we're applying to, to the workplace. Wow. And I, I, well, I'm a bit speechless. I was me stum stumbling there. I was just like, at least he's never speechless, just to confirm. Oh, brilliant. First win, first, first win of the show, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I just... Because actually that part that you said around how having the score on your email triggered curiosity from others to, to ask about it. I find that so it's so true because ever since I've started speaking to you and following you on LinkedIn, it's the it's actually the first thing I check is, oh, how's Rob today? Um, because I genuinely would like to know and uh, it does intrigue me and then it's like when I saw today when we started that you're out of 10 I was excited because I was like oh Rob's an 8 out of 10 <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, it's it's uh, really weird I don't know why that I find it's, inter it's, it's, it's such interesting, an interesting trigger isn't it it, it is because um, it, it, it's actually facilitating connection mm, because yeah. what, what's what's happening here is I'm being vulnerable I'm sharing what my score is, good and bad, eights or fours, whatever it might be. Mm. Bad is the wrong term, high or low. Um, 
and you're seeing that, and I've been vulnerable by doing that. And, and actually, in these circles of support we get on the app, we're all being a little bit vulnerable. And mm. with vulnerability breeds trust, and with trust breeds connection. At, at a time where we are disconnected, um, and I'm not just talking about disconnected physically, I'm talking disconnected. So mm. Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections, is a good read if you, if you haven't read it. Um, there's another great read from Norena Hertz, which is called The Lonely Century. You know, we're moving towards a contactless society. Mm. You, you get your food with Deliveroo, your yoga with Adrienne, and you don't need to see a person, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, what, what I believe, and I'm sorry, I'm getting quite excited now, and so I'm giving you a lot of words. <laughs> no, this is good. Is, Go is, for it. Is, is I, I believe that actually we can use this, this bit, a bit of vulnerability, this number out of 10, the form score, to facilitate connection with mm. people we care about. Because how connected are we really to our Facebook friends? How connected are we to you know, our LinkedIn network? You know, our WhatsApp groups, they're, they're a good analogy, yeah. but actually we can bring vulnerability in by sharing form scores. And that's what I think we can do at an individual level. Yeah. I mean, Susie and I have talked about vulnerability uh, a lot in this season, actually. Our first episode yeah. was about vulnerability. Um, and it is a subject that we're extremely passionate about. Yes, it's it's not as straightforward as it seems. You know, we're, we're clear to 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 state you know to be you to be vulnerable is is to be sort of in many ways comfortable and secure in your own skin and environment because you have to start somewhere but I think you're absolutely right around how that cultivates strong connections I think that is the first step which you know from my experience has always been about sharing I am an oversharer that is how my friends describe me um because it, I find that so helpful in a selfish way, <laughs> uh, regardless of how uncomfortable I make other people feel. Um, and however, this is a very simple uh, way of doing that, yeah. that actually uh, everyone in many ways can relate to because a, a score out of 10, well, it's such a common score structure that we use in so many things and that we've always used, you know, your schoolwork used to get marked out of 10 when you're in primary school. Yeah. Um, and now we're talking about it on an emotional level, but actually it's one that very much I think is um, one that people can feel comfortable with. And especially in a work context, which I think is fascinating because, you know, from previous experience in corporate environments, well-being has been what I've always called a bit of a hot topic. Uh, but I've, I'm saying that with a bit of disdain because it is a hot topic, a bit of a tick box, but has never, in my opinion, been really fully um, uh, addressed or well-managed, especially not from the sense of how we're feeling, because it's still, I think, a, a space that... And it's, it's not really a criticism because I think it's just we are where we are with the evolution of this, especially in the workplace. And rather than chastise, we should just support each other to make it better. Uh, yeah. Because you know, being negative and critical about it isn't very helpful. That doesn't really get us anywhere. Because of where it is in its maturity, I do think it's a space that organizations are still trying to get their heads around in terms of, well, how do we actually do this and do it well? And this feels yeah. like an incredible sort of uh, solution to plug that gap. So in terms of how it's currently, um, working and I, I know I followed you a bit on LinkedIn and and seen the progress you're making with organizations but at what stage is it at with uh, organizations so we we are enterprise ready and um, mm -hmm. what we're doing is we're um, we're piloting it with a number of organizations and um, we're about to announce our first uh, enterprise clients that we've converted from a large-scale pilot um, which is super exciting and yeah. a huge milestone you know 
get Woo! in. Well done, um, exciting. Thank, thank you. And, and that's what yeah. you know, that's what it's like with tech startups, right? And we're 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 a yeah. we're, we're a well-being solution that's facilitated facilitated by technology. But you build, you iterate, you build, you iterate. Um, and so, you know, we've got a great dashboard that shows um, you know how an organization is doing in in real time. That's our enterprise solution. We got loads of stuff we're building on top of it, but. I kind of want to refer back to your previous point about well-being in the workplace. And it's interesting because well-being is difficult to do in the workplace. And I'll tell you why. Um, if you're a well-being director with a budget, and let's let's assume you've got a budget. So there's a bit around making sure that there's a proper budget and it's a priority. And mm. why should we do that? And there's lots of stuff I do advising leadership teams on that. But say you've got a budget and you're going to spend this. What are you going to spend it on? You know, are you going to get headspace in, which would be great for 30% of your employees? Are you going to invest in a gym membership, which is great for about 40% of employees or a comprehensive well-being platform with content? The problem with well-being in the workplace is that we are highly, highly individual and highly, highly personal where it, when it comes to our well-being. So for me, it's exercise, sleep and connections. For someone else, it might need to, to be financial wellness, stress management and mm. finding a way to help others. Uh, so if you look at all the drivers of form or the pillars of well-being, it's very difficult for a well-being director to cater for all of that and, and all of the different humans. So what you need to think about doing is having a sort of marketplace or an aggregate solution that you know employer gives employee a budget and gets invested in this. Now, I think form score can be the gateway to that because... You know, if you're a if you're a, a three out of ten, you might need to use the EAP scheme um, and get some support. If you're a, a six out of ten but not sleeping well, you might need some solutions on sleep. Mm. So we can provide personalised content, but I think also we can link in with businesses like Better Space, that is actually a true marketplace offering third party solutions. And so for me, I'm excited about that because I think it can help um, well-being leads. But I think. As mentioned, the the first part of all about this is knowing what's how our people are doing in different parts of the organisation and what is driving that. Mm. You know, so if you've got a part of your business that's struggling on sleep, we can then get some lunch and learns and sleep going and really target our well-being spend or in interventions. But we need more data that's not retrospective. Yeah, and um, Robert, if that's really fascinating kind of insight in terms of how Form School can support on a organizational level um and and the interventions from that point a few of our listeners are actually uh, self-employed individual business owners they might not necessarily have a massive team around them um so it's it's probably them and a, and a couple of say freelancers so yeah. don't have big budgets don't have access to you know well-being directors etc for that kind of population of people how do how can form school support managing their own um, mental state and making sure they're checking in with their mental well-being as well as perhaps a couple of colleagues around them? Yeah, re really good question. And I think um, it, it's definitely important to recognise that getting well-being right is not a, just a big business issue. They've yeah. got big budgets and teams to do it. It's So thank you for asking that. So you know, for me, FormScore at an individual level helps people what, do what I call becoming intentional about their well-being. So it's that self-reflection to understand what is driving it. And then we might know, okay, you know, I've been trending down on, on form school because I haven't been getting my exercise. So how do we get more exercise in? Um, so part of it is the, the self-awareness. 
Um, and I'm very excited to say I'm just releasing what I'm calling a 30-day form booster course. And so these are 30 Ooh, days worth of bite-sized. Brilliant. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, Lisa. Thank you. Look, yep. <laughs> look, look forward to your feedback. Um, so, you know, bite-sized five-minute videos on all aspects of, of your form. Um, a lot of those that I mentioned, sleep, exercise, connections, helping others, finances, etc. Um, that we go on this journey to help people build up that self-awareness with tips on how to manage that. Now, if you were to look at that whole 30-day course, you might find four or five of the sessions really resonate with you and you'll think, right, I'm going to focus on those and I'm going to give, give them some attention, take a little micro step forward. You add those micro steps up, you've got a boost in form. That's what we're trying to do. And that sort of stuff, ultimately, we're going to build into the app. It's the start okay. of our personalized content. But we're about to release that first of July. Um, we can uh, share a link in the uh, in the in the notes, um, and it'll be just you know a new videos released each day through July, and hopefully we can all become a little bit more intentional about our well-being by the end of it. Just ready for the summer. Amazing, brilliant. Yeah, we'll share those links like you said on the show notes, but we'll also share them on our Instagram page as well, yeah, so amazing. that our our listeners can can tap into that because it sounds like a, an amazing initiative that can really support your individual kind of well-being absolutely and just to be clear rob as well individuals are able to download the app for themselves aren't they as well absolutely so yeah. the app the you know the app is a comprehensive solution that will be forever free um and you know wow. that that is my commitment to individuals. Yes, we'll build on premium features uh, at a B2B, a B2C level in the future, but there will be a core element of the app that will always be free to, to individuals. That's um, amazing. And, and, you know, I'm really passionate about this because I think, you know, we can get the workplace to pay for it. We can get those that can afford premium features to pay for it. But there's a whole bunch of our society that is left behind where well-being is concerned. And mm. I want to make sure that we can offer something that is useful to everybody for free. Wow. Thanks, Rob. So we've talked a bit about form score. Um, you, I've obviously mentioned it, the inside out leaderboard a little bit at the start in the introduction and, and you've mentioned it. Uh, I'd love to talk about it a bit more because I think this is absolutely fascinating. And I know this very much is in line with supporting everything we've spoken about. Uh, but I think the approach you've taken with this and those that you've got involved in who are advocating is incredibly powerful. So uh, can you share a bit more about that with us now? I'd be delighted to, yeah. So, you know, can, when I came out and shared my story and, and, and got that influx of people sharing back and, and that really motivated me to become a campaigner, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? What am I going to do? And so I literally just went and met anybody in, in the mental health uh, sphere that would meet me, you know, kind of the chair of the City Mental Health Alliance, Nigel Jones at the time, Jeff McDonald, um, lots of different people in, in the space who are campaigners or thought leaders. I went to a great conference put on by Legal and General called the Not A Red Card event. And I kept hearing a, a consistent message that we do not have enough senior leaders who are sharing their stories of mental ill health to act as role models. In fact, that was the number one takeaway from a 200-person event that, with Legal and General and the CEO of Legal and General, Nigel Wilson, summarised it with that. And I'm like, I can do something about that. So I used to work with a guy called Suki Sandu, Suki Sandu OBE now. And so Suki um, publishes a, a number of what are called power lists um, called Outstanding Heroes um, and Empower for different aspects of diversity and inclusion and showcasing leaders that, that fit that mold. And I thought, 
Could we do that for mental illness, for mental ill health? Could we showcase a list of leaders who are open about their challenges of mental ill health? So I had a meeting with Suki. We used to work together in recruitment years ago. And he said, it's a nice idea, Rob, but you'll never get the role models for mental illness. You know, he said it was hard enough for LGBT, um, you know, 10 years ago. You'll never get the role models. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a go. I'll take that challenge on. <laughs> and so went on this mission of finding business leaders, CEOs, or up to three stages removed, managing directors, partners in the professions, you have the common theme of experiencing a mental health challenge in a position of management and recovery of that challenge, which is important, um, and prepared to be open about it on a published list. Um, and it was like a big, big networking exercise. And I remember meeting Brian Hayworth, who early on, who was a very senior banker at HSBC, who's now chair of City Mental Health Alliance. And he said, yes, he was one of the first people that said, yes, Samantha Brown, who is a, a partner at Herbert Smith Freehills. And as soon as these people started saying, yes, of course, you know, Brian gave me a big hug. And, and I was, it was just this amazing meeting because we're both bipolar. And, um, <laughs> and, and I thought, wow, you know, there is support for this. And, and then the momentum grew. And then in 2019, we published the first leaderboard, which is very simply a published list of those business leaders. Um, and what it does, it showcases leaders who are open, it contributes to smashing mm. the stigma, but importantly, it creates this ripple effect of other leaders following suit and coming out um, and sharing their stories. And in the second year, so in 2019, we got it in the Sunday Times and, and had a big event around it. In the second year, 2020, we started again from scratch and then published with another 68 um, so we've wow. got 110 role models with lived experience or family member experience and some really cool examples of leaders seeing what's happening and um, wanting to put their name to it. So Paul Harlington, he's the chief procurement officer of TUI Travel. And Paul called me up and said, I've seen what you did on the first leaderboard. I experience a mental health challenge. I want to share my story. Will you help me share the story? And I'm like, of course. And I thought he wanted him me to help him with like a, a video for in, internal use. No, Paul wanted me to fly to Amsterdam with him and interview him on stage at a conference with a hundred of his peer CPOs uh, to share his story. I'm like, wow. And I'm oh like, why do you God. want to do this? Wow. I'm like, why do you want to do this? And he said, because I think as a senior leader, I have an obligation to help smash the stigma and, and create mentally healthy workplaces. And now he's a phenomenal campaigner as well as being a board member of, uh, of, of TUI. And so it's that ripple effect that we're looking mm. to create. Yeah. And, and, and we create enough ripples, we, we build a wave. And it's the wave that will smash the stigma of mental ill health in our workplaces. Gosh, that's incredible. What a story. It is. That's amazing. So what, what's next for the Inside Out leaderboard? So I'm working on uh, the third edition um, and delighted to be partnering with the search firm Odgers, who are helping me with some support in spreading the word and, and, and generating role models. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that we're past that number of um, uh, 68 from uh, last year. So we'll be growing it again from a standing start. But this year we, we're doing something pretty exciting too. We're making it global. So we'll have role models in the US, in Australia, oh, in wow. Europe, um, um, some in Asia, because I think the pandemic has shown us that mental ill health is very much a global issue, but the stigma is very different in different cultures. Mm. Um, so that's pretty cool. We're also including some sporting heroes there. So people like Dane Kelly Holmes, uh, some current professional athletes. 
because again, we're looking at workplaces everywhere. So I think mm. it's a really exciting development. But my vision is to help smash the stigma everywhere um, and, and export this idea of leaders sharing stories to other territories that are more heavily stigmatized. And this will be a stepping stone to that. But I've got some exciting news that I've never told anyone yet. Um, and I'm not even sure if, I, if I'm supposed to, but I'm going to tell you guys. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've decided to convert the work of the Inside Out Leaderboard from uh, a um, community interest company to a charity. Uh, because I think if I get it to a charity, I can then fundraise and build a proper team around it um, that can really help amplify the impact and then do more with the role models. So we're just about to put our uh, charity application in to uh, to do that. So you've heard it first here. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. How yeah. exciting. Congratulations. Like, yeah, congratulations. That's, it's, it's so inspiring. It really is. Uh, and I think... You know, it really does come back to that point that we started with, which is talking about this. And I think, you know, the the strength and I think the incredible focus that you have around it is 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 just unbelievable. Because it would just it well, it wouldn't be where it is without you, Rob. And uh, I think your energy and momentum around it is is inspiring. Yeah, but I think I think the the people that are inspiring um, and this part of what we do are the role models, right? They they're the people that are in business, they've got senior jobs in in other workplaces. Um, mm. They are truly smashing the stigma. I see myself as the conduit. You know, I'm mm. a bit of a catalyst to it, and and I'm grateful and proud to be able to bring my energy to that. But actually, it's a, it is about the role models, as my wife likes to tell me before I uh, every event where I'm due to speak. It's not about you, Rob. Yeah. It <laughs> it, it's good advice. It, it's about the role models because yeah, they're the ones that are actually smashing the stigma. I'm providing a platform for them mm. to do it and injecting some energy, which is cool. Um, but you know, I'm forever grateful for every person that shares their story. And I guess while we're talking about this, I'd also like to make another point that. Anybody who shares their story of mental ill health is a role model. Anybody that shares their story um, of their mental health challenge is smashing the stigma, is normalising the conversation, is contributing to a healthy society. The reason that I focus on a leadership level is because leaders facilitate culture change quicker in their organisation. So yeah. it's quite a narrow focus, but I want to call out the fact that every story that is, is shared for mental ill health is like a gift. It's like a, a you know, Jeff McDonald talks about it being a lifeboat that is sent out that story to somebody that is suffering in silence can grab onto that story, that lifeboat, and then be inspired to seek some help and be open. And so it's not just a leadership thing as well. Mm. No, that's a very important message. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, everyone's experience of mental health and their own mental well-being can be, you know, triggered by different things can, like, as you've mentioned, can um, be specific to certain situations as well. You know, this is a, a subject which um, I personally, uh, I, I've not, you know, suffered from um, my in my mental state for um, probably up until the last couple of years where I suddenly have become a bit more aware of my mental well-being in certain situations um and it take it's certainly taken me quite a long time to accept that and acknowledge that and I think 
it goes back to what you were saying about um, feeling kind of comfortable and open with sharing your story, whatever your story is. <laughs> and I think that's the crucial bit is actually um, everybody's story will probably be different, but that's okay. And it's about just facilitating those opportunities for that other person to feel comfortable about sharing their story. Yeah, we, we've all got our story, right? We've all got our truth. We're all on that continuum. And the idea of the mental health continuum from struggling through to thriving, I find really powerful because if we you know, can see ourselves on a continuum and not fixed, then that 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 tells us that we will go up and down, but it also mm. gives hope because if we're low, we could be high again. Um, yeah. And you know, if we're ill, we can be well again. And we've all got our truth. And if the pandemic has shown us anything, I think it has shown us that 100% of us will struggle with our mental well-being to some degree or another. And you know, that could be just the anxious anxiousness about the virus itself, or the worries about the economy, or the loss of connection with friends. Whatever it might be, we've all su- suffered a little bit. And my hope is that going forward, we have a greater degree of empathy for those that experience a mental Mm. health challenge more regularly Mm. yeah that's a really critical message I think the piece around empathy we've talked a little bit about empathy in other contexts on this podcast and it's a it's a a kind of message that Lisa and I feel incredibly passionate about um but I think what you've just said there around um demonstrating it in in this context is, is absolutely critical in how we all move forward together yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're seeing that, right, within the workplace now with, you know, are, are we going back full time? Can we work from home? All the different yeah. things that are coming out there. Um, yeah, I think as leaders of workplaces, we need to be very empathetic to what our people are going through. Um, and that's difficult because they're all going through different stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, every um, topic that we discuss on the coaching cast, we bring it to a close with a uh summary of our top tips as we call it of uh, all centered around the subject uh, for our listeners to take away a sort of bite-sized summary of the essence of what we've talked about and enable them to practically uh, use some of the advice that that we've shared so um what would be your sort of top three sort of nuggets of advice for individuals when it comes to this sort of critical subject around managing mental uh, wellness and, and health as it were obviously number one download the form score app is, <laughs> is, is a given absolutely it's a given <laughs> yeah there are, there are other ways of being intentional about well-being but yeah my, I'm passionate about the form score app so I'd, I'd suggest people do that but I think um, the way I would phrase that is is actually create the space um, to reflect on on your well-being to mm. answer that question how are you today if you'd like to answer it with a score out of 10 great but a few moments a day to think, how am I doing and what's driving it? That that builds up the self-awareness that we generally don't have about our well-being. And we only start to get if we fall into distress. Mm. So while we're well, wherever we are on that continuum, spend a bit of time each day reflecting. Now, the Form Score app prompts it. But, you know, a, a bit of reflection is all you need. Secondly, then, use that knowledge to think about what is driving your um, your well-being, and then start to make change. Um, start to make small steps in our lifestyles that can improve our well-being. Sleep a little bit more, get outside into nature, take some breaks in the day, reconnect with people we care about. You know, we can go on and on, but play around with it. 
you know, be curious, um, be childlike. Um, and ultimately, then that will allow us to become more intentional uh, about our well-being. I think the th- that's, so that's a long two. Number three <laughs> um, would be to check in with others, um, to ask others how they're doing today. Ask them twice. Uh, the today bit adds a bit of emphasis to it. But check in with people because actually we don't know what's going on behind the scenes for, for people right now. And you could save lives. You can help people on their journey that, that are struggling by asking that question and, and genuinely having an interest. So those, those I'd say are my three. That's great. Thank you so much, Rob. Well, I mean, I, mean, I could talk to you for all day, but you're busy. And uh, this, this podcast is only supposed to be, you know, an hour max usually. Uh, so I'll stop speaking because um, Susie has to remind me a bit like your partner that it's not all about me and I need to shut up. So, uh, uh, so <laughs> but it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today. And you've enabled me to have a I think more of a 10 out of 10 day because I feel completely energized and inspired by our conversation and absolutely love what you're doing so thank you so much for joining us today on the coaching yeah class. thank you Rob it's been absolutely privileged to talk to you and uh, and some more about your story and the amazing work that you're doing and good luck with your next steps with your charity we will yeah. be following your progress with real um, curiosity and uh, uh, kindness and if there's anything we can do to help you know please let us know yeah absolutely amazing well look thank you I think you know this has been a fabulous conversation I've really enjoyed it you guys are great at interviewing I do a lot of these things and it's been a very um, very enjoyable conversation for me so I reckon um, that that my form score yeah as a result is probably jumped up to that to a nine. <laughs> oh, it changed color yeah. as well <laughs> uh, that's amazing I love yeah. it it's changed yeah. color yeah lovely <laughs> thank you so circle. much Rob thank you Thanks, have, a, guys. have a great day see you Thanks. you too bye 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 It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo is another cracker from our listener, Adele, who shared this with us on Instagram. Uh, And it is, don't try and boil the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try and boil the ocean. Lisa, do you know what this means? Well, I'm assuming this is along the lines of, you know, don't try and do everything at once. Or maybe it's don't try and achieve the impossible. It's probably that. Although David Attenborough may be thinking otherwise Mm. in this current day and age. He may be thinking that that is exactly what we're doing. We are boiling the ocean. Well, that is true. Um, I'm assuming that's what this means. Of us all. Yeah. Um, But I've got absolutely no idea about this. I think think that's what this is about. Don't try and achieve the impossible. Don't try and bore the ocean. I mean, to be fair, I've never heard this before. In I've a never context. heard this. This is another great one from Adele. Wherever Adele works, they've got some great stuff going on there. What with this one and the one from last week's episode? Kick the can down the road. Kick the can week. down the road. Uh, don't try and boil the ocean. Yeah, shout out to Adele. Please, can you let us know what these two mean? So don't try and boil the ocean and kick or, the can down the Or road. give it to us in the context of when it was said, uh, just for the pure joy of listening to it in its entirety. <laughs> but I, I assume it's that. Don't try and do the impossible. It's too profound. This is too big for me. Oh, God. Okay. okay. Right, we'll leave that there then. <laughs> Thank you. 
So we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've been speaking with Rob Stevenson about well-being and mental ill health in the workplace and in and around us in our everyday lives. So our tips from today as given to us by Rob for you to try are number one. Well, actually, we're going to pre that. Number one one is download the form score app. Yeah, do it, everyone. It's an amazing app. Please download it and support Rob. Absolutely. And yourselves, yeah. And then number one is create the space daily to reflect on your well-being. Ask yourself, how am I doing today? Number two, use the knowledge from answering that question to identify the drivers behind how you're feeling. Be curious and then take steps to change things to improve. The third thing is connect with others and ask them, how are they doing today? But ask them twice so you're really getting to the true answer of how they're doing. As well as the top tips from Rob, we've got a couple of questions for you to ask yourself to support around the subject of well-being and your mental health. Number one is, what does well-being or being well mean to me? Number two, answer the following. I feel the best version of myself when... And then the third thing is, what one thing can I do differently to feel better in myself today? How can I support this for other people? We really hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you've got any questions, thoughts or feedback, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then please give us a follow at The Coaching Cast. Leave us a review on Apple and Google Podcasts. And most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on YouTube by searching The Coaching Cast. Our episode next week is the second part in our special series, Interviewing Our Dads. And next week, we're joined by Lisa's dad, Robin, to discuss his experience of being made redundant in his 60s and how he bounced back to continue his working career. Watch out, people. Robin (laughs) Terry is joining the podcast. (laughs) I'm very excited for him. He's very excited and slightly nervous as well. Bless him. So we both love music and we use it to motivate and energise us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next Zoom or Teams meeting. It's my choice this week and I've chosen Yellow Flicker Beat by Lord. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this. (laughs) 